Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Back live from Beto O'Rourke's campaign headquarters, which is apparently J. Crew, based on that VF cover. Uh, that cover was some was a little. He, I wish he was smiling. Is that? I mean, that's like such a thing to say to a woman. But something about the look on his face, I was like, do you know what's happening? He was giving us the, I'm the rugged candidate. Don't you see a dirt road beneath my feet? Don't you hear the Springsteen? Look at the dog. Yeah. Oh, a dog's in it. Well, so it was written by Joe Hagan, who wrote the profile of John Edwards that was in Men's Vogue, if you remember that magazine. I remember the cover because someone tweeted out that they were very similar. Uh, Talk about Very similar, very similar, just sort of like... Here's this man that we want to introduce you to. And it's 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 sort of funny because it's like Obama became that. Like you'd expect him on the cover of Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone. This is like kicking off with, here's my campaign. Yeah. I am the celebrity candidate, yeah. which he was. I mean, celebrities were pouring money into that Texas Senate race. Yeah. Can I? I, I tweeted this. And I would maybe amend it to two years, but I feel like people aren't thinking about what this actually means. I would I would give up a year of my life. I'd be willing to die a year earlier to fast forward immediately to the end of the 2020 election. Oh, please. Where's Phil Keoghan when you need him? Like, I, <laughs> and maybe two years. And people were like, you have to give up more than that. I'm like, are you guys real? Like, two full, dying two years early is like... A lot, but I think I'd definitely be willing to die a year early to be done with it right now. Even on a cheap artificial level, I swear I'm done with the jokes already. Like I've I've already whatever like Kamala Harris joke I can make, I have already made it. You know, Elizabeth Warren, I've already compared you to Jane Curtin. I have nothing left. <laughs> um, plus, like I thought I was going to be worried about Bernie fans, um, mm-hmm. but I think Existing. since I've got well, since I, I think since I don't have Facebook anymore, I don't know where they are. Um, but the Bellets are here. Is that what they're called? <laughs> That's what I'm calling them. <laughs> Just in my comments, I'm ready for bed out. <laughs> You're not from Texas. You don't know. I'm like, okay, girl. See, I donate it. Fast forward. Back in the day. That's what I'm saying. Now it's just like, there's also just so many people in the race. I don't know who I'm voting for. Also, can you chill out and like, let us get to any debate first? Find out what any of these we need to start calling after. these people down anyway. So it's like it doesn't even ma- it doesn't even matter to you because every sensible, remotely responsible person with any sense of moral values come fall 2020 is going to get in fucking line with whoever the Democratic candidate is. So, like, I don't even need to have these arguments right now because I will vote for the Democrat. Yeah. yeah. No, if, if I'm we, not an asshole. If we pick Garfield, you better believe um, I'm voting for are, Garfield. Are, exactly. <laughs> Maybe even normal. Like, why do we need to fight over this right now? Why right. are we fighting over this? Also, we live in L.A., 
and the people we're arguing with live in like New York and other big cities like this. We're not the people who are going to decide who is going to be the Democrat uh, who's running for president. It's going to be those people that they always find on the news who are always like, well, I don't know who I'm voting for. Right. I'm going to decide in the I'm going to decide in the booth. No, we live in a place with uh, we're surrounded by people who know who Betty who is. We can't be trusted to pick what the rest of the country understands. <laughs> Guys, speaking of a female icon. Uh-huh. <laughs> How kind know, of you. This okay. is a good segue. <laughs> Guys, I brought in what I had promised you. What I'm holding in my, oh my hand God. are two posters. Uh, from the movie Greta. You guys... Your favorite feature film of the year so far. <laughs> Isabel Huppert's face has never been bigger, nor have the hearts in my eyes right now. Uh, so I, I got I got Ira and Lewis both Greta posters so they can remember how much they, they loved the film. Honestly, the film that I've talked about the most this year... I don't believe I've given any thought to any other one besides Gloria Bell starring Holland Taylor. Yes, and Holland Taylor will be chatting with me in this episode about Legally Blonde. We get into the practice. Oh, yeah. And we also talk about The Edge of Night, a 1960s soap opera that she was on. And she was very shocked that I knew about it. But um, you two know. Me, yeah, so you, <laughs> nothing neither of you are shocked. I just picture Holland Taylor saying the words, the edge of night, <laughs> and I'm lit up. <laughs> Should we replace Rami with Holland? Oh, that would be perfectly acceptable. Yes. You know, I was I was debating, like, who are we going to replace Rami with? Every time we take a photo and put it online, someone tweets at me. I see Rami's still there. Wow. <laughs> they are mad. These Where's Waldo detectives just checking out the back. Yeah. Uh, we will We will get rid of him. Maybe we should crowdsource. Should we crowdsource or do we care? Uh, should there be a national contest to be the, pl- the yeah, face we replaced yeah, him with? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why don't you email keepit at crooked.com and let us know who you think should replace Rami Malik on the keep it poster and it is a prominent part of the poster like it a, is it's yeah. a big head yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> significant real estate speaking of big heads ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be right back to talk about the college scandal which is raging on <laughs> keep it is brought to you by barefoot dreams Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, 
Loungewear and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So, earlier this week when we talked about the college admission scam, I somehow missed the fact that it was called Operation Varsity Blues. Uh, <laughs> by the, like, the Jeff, like, the, who was who it? Who indicts people? Who did this? The Department, the of, Department Justice. of Justice. Operation Varsity Blues. That story already made me feel like I was high as a kite. And then when I saw that, I just assumed it was a hallucination. <laughs> I love that James Vanderbeek tweeted about it, too. Right. What did he say? He was like, if only there were something that these kids could say to their parents to let them know that they don't want the future that they want from that. Which, and then, which is a reference to that meme right. uh, thing that always people always post. I don't oh, want to yeah. be you or whatever it is. It's, I don't want your life. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, by the way, is garbage. Varsity Blues. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. I remember the whipped cream scene and I remember the stripper scene really well. well. yes. You uh, know, high school shit. Yeah. <laughs> Varsity yeah. Blues is a very boring movie, and I think it's only made iconic because of the whipped cream scene, yeah. which is replicated in Not, Not Another, Another Teen, teen movie. movie with Chris Evans. Right. Which is... Much better scene. Right. Cuter. Yeah. Uh, than Allie Larder. 
We'll have we'll put that to the public. From whipped, vote from whipped cream to Idris Elba. Anyway, oh God. Uh, this scandal is is raging on. Did you, wait? Did you see the courtroom sketches? I was going to bring it up. Lori Loughlin Excuse and me. Felicity Huffman. <laughs> it is my pleasure to describe Lori Laughlin in the courtroom sketch to you. First of all, it's evil Aunt Becky here, yeah. by which I mean <laughs> in the, straight in the glasses, big black glasses, gold bloom style, and she is wearing the whitest turtleneck. Like, she is here to ruin your Nancy Myers movie, sweetie. <laughs> um, f- the press photos of Felicity Huffman in her glasses, she, like, unable to even exit doors because there's just paparazzi yeah. swarming. Well, the other thing was, so Lori Laughlin, who, by the way, gun to my head before this broke, if you would ask me what Aunt Becky's name was, there's no way. I would oh, yeah. She was like on a plane. And so there was all this drama because her she was flying back into the United States and her lawyer was like, I just need to talk to her first. And they're like, that's not how this works, bitch. Like we are arresting her when she lands on U.S. soil. And so I love to imagine her sitting in first class knowing good goddamn well that she was about to be in handcuffs when she stepped off the plane. But like the narrative made it seem like she left on purpose. No, you know what I mean? Oh, it seemed yeah, like she right. was like fleeing, yeah. but it, that wasn't it. She but. was in Canada shooting for Hallmark. The Hallmark Channel. Uh, I love how one of the articles uh, <laughs> lightly shaded her because it was like, we assume she was in Canada because Laughlin is a staple of Hallmark's movies. (laughs) Rough. How wasn't there, like, hashtag when will Aunt Becky land? I'm just blown away we didn't actually, like, capitalize and get all all the material we needed from that. I want to know where the videos are of the people who were on that plane and knew that she was flying back there. But I wonder if they knew, right, because they were on the plane, and so unless they had internet, they wouldn't have known what was happening. Yeah. Well, person- that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I just picture her walking around with like a Stoli Martini, blue jasmine tizzy style, like waiting desperately to, for you know, trembling with that <laughs> Cape Blanchett tremble. Uh, well, Lori is actually one of the funniest parts of this entire thing to me. Because- I thought you were going to say she's one of the funniest parts of Full House. I was like, I don't know about that. Go ahead. <laughs> Jody Sweeten really killed it. I never say that, dude. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, it's my Mary Kate. Let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and or Ashley. Right. Who knows who did which scene? Never Elizabeth. I need an investigation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the horse accident? Never forget. Leave, leave Marcy May Marlene alone. <laughs> um, so her daughter, Olivia oh, Jane, yes. is a wannabe influencer right. on YouTube and Instagram and People were just digging up her tweets. (laughs) Where in 2017, she tweeted, "It's so hard to try in school when you don't care about anything you're learning." On YouTube, she just talked about how she was going to college for game days and partying, and continued to reiterate how much she does not give a fuck about school. Right. She also clearly is so stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I, what I love so much about this scandal is that their parents knew that their kids were dumb enough, were even the tutors, even donating money, like the normal things that rich people with dumb kids do to get their kids into school. Their kids were too stupid for that. Yeah, They had to go a step further and literally commit crimes. That's how dumb their kids were. Right. Well, also, it, it requires millions to donate like to a wing or 
a building. Like at USC, like people are dropping a lot coins. Yeah. That is a lot of rich ass kids at that school. Five hundred thousand dollars ain't gonna get you shit. <laughs> so Lori was like, we gotta do a scam. <laughs> um, the her, sports uh, stuff is the funniest part of this. Photoshopping people onto uh well, so, athletes? Yeah, so basically, like, one of the things that they did was trying to get the kids in under the guise of them being athletes. You know, it's e- easier for them to get into school, more of, a, more of a legitimate reason to accept them. So they were not only bribing the athletic, like, the coaches of, like, the crew team, but they were photoshopping their kids into pictures of them playing the sports <laughs> to be like, look, he's a water polo star. And I guess at one point they bought like water polo gear they have like the amazon records of them buying like equipment <laughs> to pretend that they were athletes that is Which... so shocking that's all the evidence they need like here's a photo of them seeming to participate in a sport which makes me question whether or not the kids did know right because we're supposed to believe that the parents were going about this without the kids knowing if your parent is buying water polo gear <laughs> or making you take photos with it Something's going on. Uh, There is in the EW write-up of the best parts of the scandal. One of the emails, I think from Lori Laughlin, says uh, uh, that she did forward Olivia Jade on one of the emails and and was asking, like, she's having trouble with her with her application. She's confused as to how to apply to the school or something. Only reiterating, maybe this girl is pretty dumb. (laughs) When Olivia Jade found out about the scandal. Did you read that oh, part? Yeah. She was on the <laughs> yacht of someone on the board of trustees well, at USC. And also the guy, he he like owns the Grove. Oh my God. So he's my like hero. the mall. A perfect mall, but still. Yeah. Y'all had all these fucking connections and you couldn't get your, right, your right. girl up in school? You know Mr. The Grove? <laughs> so what do you think, what do we think William H. Macy? Like, do we think he was just really, like he didn't, do you think he really didn't know or he just was smart enough to... I think there's no paper trail with him. I think he was too busy shooting Shameless to send emails. He probably doesn't know what an email is. But isn't there like a, a transcript where he's listed as spouse? There's it... something where it says spouse, but I don't think that they have enough they had evidence to indict him. Got it. Because what it. if Felicity Hoffman goes to jail? <laughs> goes to jail. <laughs> For lying to get her dumb kids into college. I know. It does feel like someone picked a randomizer of like the millions of celebs who do this and just landed on Felicity Huffman. It was such Huffman. a weird, she's such a weird one because also that's what in particular with USC, like you're both, you're one of, I would say the top 25, like Hollywood power couples. Yeah. Like you're both very famous, well-respected actors. I'm like, you couldn't offer to do a guest lecture series. Yeah. You know, like William H. Macy couldn't have taught some damn acting classes. Natalie Portman's on masterclass. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right. I, I don't understand how that particular combination of people would have such a problem getting their kids into USC. Right. It's it's inconspicuous. No one's like, I wonder how they got into USC. No, no. one's going to second like, guess. Oh, that's Felicity Huffman's daughter. That's yeah. why she's at USC. Right. Of and course. also Felicity Huffman, smart person. Of course, her daughter would be capable of getting into USC. I'm not even thinking twice about it. Also, try for NYU or something or like any other school. It's the schools that they were trying for were very weird. But I mean, USC and NYU to me are like a similar. It would be yeah. just as weird if they did all of that for NYU to me. True. So, like, all of NYU it. NYU does not take scams, okay? Oh, oh, okay. oh did right? you check? You need, yeah. you need sheer 
talent. Bitch, please. All these, listen, every <laughs> school on this list, now, they are being scammed. Now is the winter of our discontent. <laughs> oh, you... Were you were you given a scholarship to go away or what? Uh, I was doing some Richard the Third for you. Heard <laughs> I of heard him? it. Heard of him? I know who she is. Heard of yes. him? Yes, that's how I got into. I want to see the limp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am actually wondering if any of them will go to jail, and it might seem crazy, but I also remember that Martha Stewart had a stint in jail. It is not. Yeah. Shocking for no. our white women celebrities to have a jail stint. Also, there are black people sitting in jail right now, literally for shit like changing the address on their like their official address to like get their kids into better schools, which is like the you know, it's like, oh, this is so funny. Right. And then quickly people were like, this is actually super dark because, you know, one, it's like how like if you're a black student at um you know, an elite university, it's like, you've definitely had someone say some affirmative action shit, something about you being there. Of course. Of affirmative action and that kind of thing. And it's like, this is the ultimate affirmative action. <laughs> what, what rich people do to get into these schools. And like the idea that students of color have gotten in because of some quota when it's like, there are more legacy students at Harvard than there are black students. So like, give me a fucking break. Right. And legacy students were initially created, you know, in order to keep people of color to keep to keep Jewish people out. Um, anyone that, you know, was undesirable because you could just plant in, you know, people who you know that they have a good bloodline. Yeah. Um, this Yeah, this story feels to me like it is a benign diversion in certain ways, but there is, like most benign diversions, if you think about it for more than five seconds, you realize, oh, wait, this is deeply shitty. Yeah. Also, I mean, it should just be reiterated even though all these celebrities are capable of paying to get their kids into college and like no one has questioned it for a long time, this is fucking vile. I mean, it is disgusting behavior that we allow these people to like thrive and get people into schools who don't deserve to be there. What's also disgusting is the fact that so much of the rhetoric, especially like for the U.S. Uh, attorney and other people talking about it is how gauche they find it that they went to scamming like they resorted to scamming they were mm -hmm. like why could you be like the rest of us rich people and you know buy a building or yeah. donate some money it's like what's worse for this for other rich white people is that they didn't do the right way <laughs> right, of right. trying to get their kids in. We wrote yeah. a manual about how to do this and you won't follow it. I, the other <laughs> thing that I find so bizarre is you have Olivia Jade as your daughter she's a dummy She's rich. She doesn't actually like the I, she doesn't really need to go to college for her to have the life that you want her to have, which is to continue to be rich and like privileged. Like Yolanda Hadid bought her kids new faces and <laughs> sent them all off on modeling careers. She, they didn't pretend like they needed to go to college. It's like she didn't actually need to go to school to continue the privilege of her life. Right. You think you're telling me Olivia Jade's not dropping out of that school and what? It's well, 18 months. That's the thing now. Do you think the kids are going to stay in school? Because it feels like they have to leave. Well, I feel, uh, I think that Stanford uh, or one of the other schools rejected the applications of people currently applying. Who were currently in yes. the world. And, and other, <laughs> other students will be, you know, a case by case basis. I guess it'll be digging into. Did they know? Like, are it, they actually a good student? But it's also like it's false information. So whether or not they knew if they got in based off of 
falsified information, it feels like no matter what, whether they, you know what I mean? It, it feels like they shouldn't be allowed to stay, but you know. I know it's weird, you know, and I feel like people are considering them and these poor children more than they're actually caring about people who actually go through things in this country. Well, yeah, because they're rich white kids. Yeah. And I do think that they'll get like a slap on the wrist, to be honest. Most of them will probably plea out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, do you ever think about how much better Full House would be if Aunt Becky were evil? Like, let's say, you know, the episode where Comet gets lost. What if Aunt Becky were like, and I hope he stays lost. <laughs> and then they just never dealt with her being evil. She was just an evil character. You know, like Alexandra from Josie and the Pussycats, just like constantly scheming. I can never actually remember if Aunt Becky was, I know that she had her flirtation with Uncle Jesse. Yeah. Well, no, they were, they got married they, and they, they had the kids. Yeah. Yeah. They got married. Okay. I, like, did he have a previous girlfriend? Maybe she killed her. That's what I'm saying. I want to get I want to get into the edge of night shit with Becky. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of the edge of night, coming up next, my interview with Miss Holland Taylor herself. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For over 130 years... McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. I am here with the wonderful Holland Taylor. Hmm. I have... Um, From your mouth to God's <laughs> I have been a fan for years. Uh, I loved The Practice. It was one of my favorite I did television too. That shows. was one of the greatest parts I ever was lucky enough to get. Yes, Judge Kelsen. You know, that uh, developed over years. Um, he, it was just a small part of a very telling scene with Regina King, I think, the very yes. first time I... Wow, you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been and, rewatching some of it now that they added it to Hulu. And, and well, David Kelly has had seen his his wife's picture, um, whatever, that one fine day mm -hmm. that I played her mother in. And I had a very flirtatious scene. I mean, it, it seemed flirtatious. I wasn't flirting with, with, with um, George Clooney. <laughs> and, and David said that woman could give give the daughter a run for the money for George, and so he got this idea of doing making the judge really a sort of a sexual, uh, an active, you know, fifty-ish woman who was 
out there. I know. One of your but first few episodes is just when you tell Dylan McDermott that you had that erotic dream about him um, was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I particularly love the one where, oh, well, we won't go into detail. <laughs> I, got, I can tell you I would get scripts late at night when I'd come home. I mm -hmm. came home one night really late, and I got the script in which it it, she has the line, I gave him the greatest blowjob in the history of mankind. <laughs> and I read that at like two in the morning and I had nobody I could call to tell. I, this was in 1999, you understand. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to say this on national television. I finally called up a, a, an actress friend in England because she was <laughs> at least awake to tell her I had this extraordinary scene to play. They ended up changing it to fellatio, but it was still okay. pretty, pretty much out there. I, I mean, I, was that... I think that was around the time, like they had nudity on like NYPD Blue too. Probably. Yeah. So. Probably. But I think it was the fact that I was an older woman that yeah. made it that that made it sort of newsworthy mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. Well, it was a great role, and I love <laughs> that was, show. It was. Um, David's been very good to me with roles. Yes, that and um, this is going to. I wasn't old enough to watch it, but um, <laughs> I'm the, sure I was old enough to do it. <laughs> um, not the practice. I mean, um, I'm a big soap opera fan. Uh, oh my god! I still watch Days of Our Lives. Only on for one year. Yes, but I watched. Uh, I've seen clips of you on the Edge of Night. Oh my god! You know, I wish I had. I guess they're still available, aren't they? You can yeah. get them somehow on YouTube or something. I watched part of a scene on YouTube today. Because oh, yeah. I'm kidding. Well, yes, I did I'll that. show it to you. I only did that for, <laughs> for one year. Yeah. And um, I I just couldn't. I mean, I I needed to make a living, and I took it for one year. Mm -hmm. And the po character was very popular, and they wanted to continue. But I just thought I can't. I can only use the excuse that I needed to make some dough that year, and then then I had to get off it. And that was the year. The next year was the year they started actually really paying people for doing. So okay. That, so that was the end of that era. But the character was so evil. She was both. She died of natural causes and was murdered by her father on the same day. Yes, that, you remember that? Yes, it was because it was a it was so Edge of Night was a crime um, soap opera. Yeah. It was mostly like trials and things. Yes. And uh, your father, it was like a mercy killing because yeah. you wanted to keep your husband and his lover apart. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so murder. Yeah. So the answer to that problem is clearly, well, you have to murder her, I guess. Yeah, kill yourself and frame him. Yes, right. <laughs> yep. yep. So yep. we're like a lot of, because you were in theater then, were yes. a lot of theater actors uh, taking oh, sure. soap opera roles back then? Oh, my God, yes. You know, I mean, theater has never really been a, a you know, living wage. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're never in it. You know, 365 days out of the year, unless you happen to be in a very long run. So it's it's not steady work, and it doesn't really pay that well. So you have to do mm -hmm. other things. To And I also made—no, I didn't. By the time I did—when um, I did Bosom Buddies, I stopped doing—no, mm -hmm. no, yeah. I stopped I stopped doing commercials at some point. Okay. Uh, I just thought, I, I can't, no matter what, do that, so— can't sell no. yogurt or anything anymore. No, no. Do you remember like a commercial that you're really like, I can't believe I did that? Um, I actually did one of those Madge ones with your fingers in the palm olive. So I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I did one of those. <laughs> As you can see, my hands, you'd think that all that ridiculous. <laughs> I have gardeners, fingernails, but no garden. So. Mm. <laughs> um, no, I loved um, 
your theater work, um, particularly, um, I love that you did um, Anne. Oh, that was. Um, um, oh, it was a, you wrote it. Yes. And you starred in it yeah. um, about Anne Richards. Yes. And I'm a big fan of her as well. That was, uh, that was really a mission. That was not a job. Okay. It was something that. I mean, I wrote that play. I started that work when I was 65, mm-hmm. and I was possessed with the idea of doing something creative about her because I was so upset by her death, which mm-hmm. seemed very untimely. She was a very young 73, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and she was just gone in the twinkling of an eye. And she was one of those figures that I had thought would always be there mm-hmm. in my life and in America's life because I thought she was one of the greatest inspiring figures for for America mm-hmm. we had. And I just couldn't get over her death, and it seemed very odd to me, as though it was personal. Mm-hmm. And I, thought, I, I had that thing happen when you are obsessed by something emotional, you want to do something creative about it. So that's mm-hmm. how that happened. And then the whole execution of the thing, I developed it in, in six, seven theaters before I got it to Broadway, mm-hmm. before we got it to Broadway. And it was very costly in every way to do that, and it it was like bringing up a child. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it had as much meaning for me. It was the most meaningful act of my life, unquestionably. Yes, I think I think people don't uh, truly realize how expensive it is to just to do theater, and you well, know, it, well, it it can be. You think of it as such a big booming business, but that's because of like wicked and well like but that. when we were on broadway that was a different matter i mean i wasn't producing that bob boyette who's a legendary mm-hmm. broadway producer was the producer there but i had to develop it in big theaters in texas and you know you you can only make money on a theater run if it runs for a period of time yeah and uh, i did short runs in galveston austin in san antonio mm-hmm. in chicago at the schubert theater the i did those things before we were a broadway production mm-hmm. and so we would we would only play for 10 days or a week, the normal kind of tour period mm-hmm. of time. You, you you cannot make a dime on that. So, I mean, the first set I had made for Anne was $125,000. So <laughs> it was like, you got to run a little while to pay that back. So yeah. um, so that it was, it was costly in that sense to develop it before Bob Boyette took it on. Mm-hmm. But it's it, she's such a huge character. It required an enormous, fabulous set. Mm-hmm. It was a big production. It couldn't. It wasn't a little black box thing that I could develop in tiny theaters mm-hmm. at all. It was something big. Yeah, I mean, such a big character and woman who really I feel like we revisited a lot because yeah. of Hillary Clinton and Donald yes. Trump. I yeah. mean, um, that entire <laughs> race of hers yes. where um, she was up against... Oh, uh, George. Yes. George W. Uh, yes. Um, but then well, when Carl she, Rove. Yeah. She was really up against Carl Rove, is who she was mm-hmm. up against, because that's where he cut his teeth on the really dirty tricks of, of a campaign politics. I mean, he, he really did unbelievably shocking things behind the scenes against Ann Richards in that campaign mm-hmm. and, and advised his, his candidate, George, to always be very, very polite and gentlemanly. Mm-hmm. With Anne. Yes. And very, very shrewd directions all around. <laughs> uh, and then specifically Clayton Williams, too. Oh, before you know. that. Well, yes, he, before, he shot himself in the foot. Yes, with the uh, the rape comment. The rape, yes, just li- lie back and enjoy it. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, and rape those... is like weather. Rape is like weather. <laughs> just you know, sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like I remember uh, Cecile, her daughter, was just talking about how um, the Hillary debates with Trump reminded yes. her so much oh. of the debate. 
debates with. Absolutely. Uh, there, yeah. there was there is one debate with George, which I just I, I it's so unpleasant. It's so it makes me so unhappy to watch it. I mm -hmm. can't because she was so she was such a true character. She was a true public servant. Mm -hmm. She had a kind of nobility to her. And that in combination with that that wonderful, vivid, feisty persona was just unmatchable in, in history. She was such an attractive character. And mm -hmm. she had a hell of a temper. And I, I, mean, I know her staff and I know her, cab her kitchen cabinet and I know her administration very, very well, as well as a lot of her very closest friends who are one and the same. Mm -hmm. um, you know, her anger was so, her, her temper was so in the service of working hard mm -hmm. that she was always forgiven. I mean, it was it was always understood. It was never small. She was not a small person. She was a very big person. Yes. And you know, we filmed the we filmed the production in a live performance. Yes. And it's uh, on Broadway HD now, which is it's always available, which is really moving to me because I wanted her voice to stay. I wanted to do what part I could do mm -hmm. in keeping her voice in the American air. Well, that's fantastic. People should watch that because uh, I, I saw the Ann Richards documentary and that oh, was on HBO. Uh, yes. Um, but I would love to see uh, oh, the production now it's on Broadway on, Well, HD. Broadway HD is just like Netflix, only it's for plays. Okay. And it's the same kind of platform uh, that you subscribe to for a month or something. It's like eight bucks a month or something. And there's a lot of wonderful plays on it. I mean, it's, it's, the, way, it's the wave of the future in the sense that I think from now on every production that is successful is going to get filmed well mm -hmm. to preserve it. I mean, gone yeah, are the days when you New say, York yeah. and getting the C plays all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I actually went to NYU to get my master's in playwriting. Uh, really? Yes. And do you write them? Um, yes, I do TV now out here, but uh, I do plays from time to time. Well, um, so Wiley and <laughs> writing plays. That's how I found out about Edge of Night, actually, because I wrote something that was set in the late 70s, and I needed a soap opera, and <laughs> that's what I found yours on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of you know, women in general, I remember when you were on the practice, you just talked about how David um, gave you such a great role um, yes. for an older woman. Yeah. And now seeing you in this new film, um, Gloria Bell yes, right. um, by Sebastian Lelio, Le yeah. yeah. uh, who I love. Oh, um, I love. A Fantastic it. Woman was one of my favorite movies. And it deservedly won year. an Oscar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and now Gloria Bell is yes. a sort of reimagining of Gloria yes. and older film that he yeah, did. Yes. Uh, you're Wait, in have it. you seen that? The I have not one? seen oh, the original and now I need to. definitely see it. Quite different in tone. But okay. It's really wonderful. He's a, you know what I love about him as a filmmaker is he puts things in the frame and mm. allows your eye to find them. Mm -hmm. That clues, the important things that you're supposed to notice about what has transpired. He, it's just in the frame, and it's usually lit in such a way so that your eye will go to it. But he doesn't, like, zoom a camera in on something he wants mm -hmm. you to see. He's not that bossy uh, an editor. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the film really unfolds before you, and it, it was so effective. I saw it with an audience last night uh, at a screening, and it was a... I realized his the tempo of his films, mm -hmm. the slow revelations of behavior. You really become very watchful. Yes. looking for everything is so so affecting. Julianne Moore is so fascinating oh in that film um, and your scenes together, you know, they're just so well, um, wonderful and nurturing mm -hmm. um, oh, and God. it's nice to see um, just two women sharing the screen like that yeah. and how they're just allowed to 
exist. You know, he did that with um, the trans actress and yes. a fantastic woman. And it's just I, I heard that this Gloria Bell is a bit more comic than the original one in time. It is. It is in a way. I mm -hmm. think the script is sets up of some jokes more. But mm -hmm. again, I, I think it's more. It's more really a very quiet and real story where you get to know a person without having who they are shoved at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's he's a very relaxed storyteller in that way, which I really enjoyed. And I, the editing, like for instance, the last moment when I, I probably shouldn't define it exactly, but the moment. He chose to cut to end the movie, I thought, mm -hmm. was inspired uh, because it was just at the moment where she had got yes. gone. That's all you have to see. Yes. And that's how a fantastic woman yeah. in it, too. Yes. It just feels very, yes, like, oh, here it there is. There it is. Yeah. Click. We're gone. Um, and so speaking of how um, you spoke in interviews, how mm -hmm. um, you love that role on the practice, yeah, how do you feel like time um, has changed sort of in Hollywood for uh, older actresses? Well, I, you know, older actresses are always slighted, and I don't know. I I mean, the wife knows. Glenn just had that awful experience of uh, probably everybody in the world telling her she was very likely to win that Oscar, which, of course, she certainly could have done. Mm -hmm. But that was quite a wonderful older role. And, I, you know, the, the great actresses like Judy Dench and Helen Mirren play these roles, and the films are always just huge successes. I hope Hollywood understands that it's not just older women who are out there wanting to see older women. It's everybody yes. wants to see the full range of, you know, human life. And Hollywood is sometimes the last to know the obvious truth, which is that, you know, all people are interesting. No, I mean, it's wild. I mean, uh also coming out soon is Greta, this film with Isabel Huppert, and yes. it's, it's funny. Have I think you so, seen it? I have not. Someone was, uh, Richard Lawson from Vanity Fair was joking that the plot of it is like Chloe Moritz is terrified that um, Isabel Huppert is obsessed with her, and I'm like, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> well, <was> <laughs> What's know? the problem? <laughs> I would love any of those uh, actresses to be obsessed with me. Right. Got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's really fun seeing that you have been able to do just such a breadth of roles, you know, where it's uh, even from Two and a Half Men, you know, to yes. um, the L word, you know, where it's just you're playing older women who are fun and yes. like real characters. Or you actually have lives. Yeah. I, I'm doing a character on Mr. Mercedes now, which is on audience TV, which mm -hmm. I do not know what the viewership is on that platform, but it's with um, Brendan Gleeson, who's one of the great actors of this world, the great mm -hmm. Irish actor. And this character... Two is an older woman who uh, is a widow, and she lives uh, on her own. And society would say, well, she's no one, you know, because what, what is she? You mm -hmm. can't quantify her. And the fact is, 100 years ago or so, I did a play on Broadway called Butley with Alan Bates. And it was about this teacher in, in uh, an English university who's just come to a crossroads in his life and he just feels done. He's having a mental breakdown. And there was an article, and I was his wife, I just had one scene with him where obviously the marriage was on the rocks. And the New York Times wrote, uh, I, this must have been 1980 or something, an article, could there be a play about Mrs. Butley mm. who had no identifiable role in life? And the answer was no. That there, there couldn't be a play just about a woman. Mm -hmm. So you had to have some reason for existing that be that had to be connected <laughs> to a man or some or some truly rare heroic thing like I don't know, you know, the Madame Curie 
She yeah. had to either be Madame Curie or or involved with the man that yeah. made her valuable and interesting. Yeah. Or had a goblet trying you know, to kill a man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it had to be either epic. You couldn't just be a person who, who had mm-hmm. uh, a life that could be revealed. Yes. Um, you know, you are so active on Twitter. I have to ask you, are there favorite people that you follow? Like, who do you look forward to seeing come across your timeline? Well, I oh, well, I like Lawrence O'Donnell, and okay. I like I like Clive Barnes. I follow them for because I think they're both so shrewd, and their <laughs> their take on affairs of the day um, uh, is always fascinating to me. But I I just follow I just follow a lot of people, a lot of show business people, a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and I you know I started at when I was actually on the road with them because it was sort of company when I was traveling, mm-hmm. and then I got. Hooked, I guess, on seeing those favorite opinions, but also I picked up a lot of news from it because whatever a lot of the people I follow were yakking about was going to be interesting to Mm -hmm. me. And I actually think that I should sort of stop relying on it for news the way that I did because there's something happening in Twitter speak that is getting a little bit... uh, it's, it's it was just, a lot more fun. It was. It used to be more fun than it mm-hmm. is now. And I, you know, now most of my friends are on Instagram, which, <laughs> I, which I like because it's all about pictures. Yes. But Instagram, for me, so far has been hard to learn how to wrangle. Okay. Whereas I'm, I know how to do Twitter. Yeah. And um, but I'd like to get switched to Instagram because I. I, I love think Instagram. The favorite do? part is the stories because you can just sort of give people a quick burst yes. of something fun, and then it's gone in 24 hours. Yes. That. It, yes. Yeah, some stories you want to be gone. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, interestingly enough, I don't I don't look at people's stories that much. And I wonder if there's an algorithm for figuring out on Instagram Mm -hmm. whether people watch the stories as much as as Mm. as people who post them might assume. My stories are like memes sometimes and um, clips of soap operas that I've watched. If they're short. (laughs) Or if I'm avidly interested. But mostly I look at the still pictures and read whatever the caption is. But it's it is where people put up perfectly gorgeous pictures. Yes. And uh, I think that's what it's wonderful about what's wonderful about it. Mm -hmm. And do you know Tony Baker comedy? No. Look up one. Okay. Somebody I just discovered on Instagram I'm addicted to. He's a very funny guy. Okay. Um, he does, he posts videos, animal videos or people videos where he does the, he does the voices. Okay. And he does the the conversation as he thinks it should be held. It's very, very funny. <laughs> Tony Baker comedy. Tony Baker comedy. I will follow him. Listen, I would be remiss if asking Reese Witherspoon has talked about Legally Blonde 3 is maybe happening. I ain't heard a word about it. Professor Strawwell needs to be back. Well, I told them that. I mean, actually, <laughs> we share a hairdresser recently. And I, I see her once in a blue moon. I see her at awards ceremonies usually, mm-hmm. where she's usually carrying a statue. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and she, I said, is it happening when I saw her the last time? She said, it's happening. She didn't know when. I guess she's yeah. really booked quite heavily. And uh, But when her hairdresser, Lana Vigie, was cutting my hair one day, I said, tell Reese that if I am not a Supreme Court justice by now. <laughs> but wouldn't that be great? It would be. I mean. Especially Str- now. Right. When... Stromwell could. I mean, there's a certain a number of years have passed. She could have. She could have retired from her professorship role and, and then become a full-time judge and be and got appointed to the got appointed to the Supreme Court of her state at least. If I not, think I definitely not in the frickin' United States. Yes, I want Elle Woods going to the Supreme Court and trying a case in front well, of you. First of all, <laughs> how can you not have 
such a, a reprise of that character, given that she was so influential. But also, that scene, her the first scene in the courtroom, in the uh, classroom, mm-hmm. is a really... Fa- I watched it not long ago. It's a really fantastic scene. It was so well-directed. I still love so much about yeah. the movie. I rewatch I, it all I, the time. I do, too. It was very... Robert... Um, Lud, I can't remember his name. is Ludekic or something like that. He was a very nice, very nice, very sharp guy. And there was also a great director of photography. Robert Lukatek. Lukatek. Yeah. And there was a director of photography on that picture who was a very, very star director of photography. He was wonderful. Yes, well, so I love that picture. We will start a campaign on Keep It Here to get you in Legally Ron 3. <laughs> yes. Because it needs yes, to happen. Do it, do it, do it, <laughs> do it. I just did the, the Roger Ailes picture that uh, Jay Roach directed, and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I sort of played, uh, again, there was this, this play, this movie is filled with a lot of um, actors who are playing tiny little roles just to be part of that whole world. He's such a great director, mm-hmm. Jay Roach. And uh, Roger Ailes is going to be a very interesting figure to see. I can't, wa- can't wait to see this movie to well, good. the whole picture. So we will get you Legally Blonde 3. We will get you, we will get you an award for it, too. <laughs> no, because, no way. No listen, way. Let's I love ask. your award speeches. <laughs> I, I, uh, your Emmy speech well, is one of my favorite speeches. That was, you know, as I walked up, to that stage, I was wondering if I said that, if I said, I said, I'm literally climbing the stairs and I'm thinking, do I dare just say overnight? What if I just don't get it and I'm just standing there like an asshole? You yes, because <laughs> you walk up and you're like, and you raise the statue and you're like, overnight, and the audience loves it. They, yes. There was a beat. There was a beat. As you see it on film, you see, you see this little pause and I'm thinking... Okay, just think for a second, folks. I <laughs> <laughs> got it. Because <laughs> uh, I was 50-something then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty great. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here, Thank you. You're a wonderful interview. Yeah, so nice Thank to you meet very you. very much. Lovely to meet just, you. Just you looking great, too. Like, Thank you. Holland came in here with a vintage Chanel scarf, just <laughs> serving fashion, and that is what we love here. And bedhead. <laughs> you look fabulous. This is what you get, is this hair. <laughs> uh, we'll gladly take it. Thank you. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best— 